0: Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you are here today. Man, we had an incredible weekend last weekend, Easter. I think when the final numbers came in, it was a little over 4,000 people that uh, celebrated Easter. But I think, yes, that's great. But here's what I want you to clap about. Uh, I think over 50 people accepted Jesus Christ, and that's really what it's all about. Well, you know, I like to start with something funny. I heard about this little five-year-old kid. that He and his dad walked up to the ice cream shop, and they got an ice cream. And on the way back, he said, Dad, he said, why do the leaves change colors in the fall? And his dad said, well, I don't know. And then he walked down a little bit further and said, Dad, who created God? He said, no, son, that's above my pay grade. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. And then they walked down a little bit later, and he pointed up to the uh, the wires. He said, How does electricity get in those wires? He said, I don't know. He said, Dad, do you mind me asking you questions? And he said, Of course not. I said, How else are you going (laughs) to learn? Well, if you could ask God one question, what would you ask him? Think about that. I think all of us have questions. We wonder why, we wonder how. We wonder when. We question the events of our lives, and and we mull over experiences, and we try to figure out what's really going on here over the next few weeks. We're going to just take some time to try to answer some of the questions that you uh, have turned in. Yeah, there were hundreds of questions. Uh, You really made me work extra hard this week. (laughs) Just to read the questions, to go through that, just to try to help all of us take our next step. You know, and as we go through answering these questions, I want to know, I want you to know that some of uh, the questions will be, uh, the answers will be given and they're based on the Bible. And, And if it's based on the Bible, I'm going to give you a scripture and you'll be able to see the scripture and you'll be able to study that passage on your own. Or other questions will just be my personal opinion, okay? And my personal opinion, you know how opinions they're just like noses, everybody's got one, and so you can take my opinion um, as uh, you want to, you can brace it as as great wisdom, or you can think, man, he is crazy on there, you know, <laughs> but that's up to you, so let's just get started. You know when I look through all of these, it's interesting there's just a large group, probably the number one question from uh, the weekend was this It said, you know." Tell me about God's will and, and how does God speak to us? People, there's a spiritual interest in the lives of so many. I'm telling you, it's the, the number one question. And so I thought we'd just dive in. How does God speak? There are five ways that I believe that God speaks. And you can take this and uh, fill it in the blanks. First of all, God speaks through His Word, the Bible. We believe that this is God's Word, and I believe it has wisdom and insight. In Psalm chapter 119, it says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. I believe that as we read the Bible, that you'll find wisdom, you'll find knowledge, and you'll find understanding. In Proverbs chapter 2, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding." And so I encourage you to develop some type of a plan um, of reading the Bible. I think, secondly, God speaks through prayer. Now, prayer is just communication. And oftentimes that we think about prayer as giving a list to God and say, God, can you answer these needs? That's one way of prayer. But the second way of prayer is that you're listening to what he says, that you're, you're, you're quiet before him and you just listen. Now, some of you say, Marty, I tried that. I sat there for 10 minutes and I didn't hear a thing. Well, maybe that's what you needed. Maybe you just needed to declutter your mind so that you can get to the place where you understand those promptings. That's why every January for 21 days and every August, we carve out this time to get the junk out of our lives so that we can be filled with the presence of the Lord. God wants to speak to you, and we've got to learn to recognize His voice. How does He speak? I think the third thing, He speaks through supernatural events. At times, God may choose to speak to you through a dream, maybe through a vision, or maybe some kind of supernatural sign. It doesn't happen often, but it happens. And if you've ever had one of those dreams, or maybe you've had um, a vision or so, I received a word. I want you to weigh that. I want you to get confirmation. Don't ever make a major decision on your life solely based on a supernatural experience. You need to think about it. You need to test it. You need to um, give it the test of time, the test of scripture. You need to give it the test of counsel. Let that be confirmed as God's word For you. How does God speak? Here's the fourth way. I think God speaks through a sudden change of circumstances. A sudden change. Here's an example. Let's say you're going after a job. You've turned in your application. You've uh, had the first interview, man. You knocked it out of the chart, off the chart. The second one, the third one, you've had like four or five. Everything is going great. Everything is wonderful. And then, boom, the door closes. And you're saying, what's up? Or maybe uh, another kind of a door. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a door in a relationship. You thought that this relationship was, uh, was the one for you, and then that door closes. Could it be that what you're calling a circumstance is really the sovereign hand of God working in your life? Proverbs 16 says, In in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And there are times when God will supernaturally close a door because he has a better plan for you. Or God will supernaturally open a door so that you can walk through it into a new future. We're talking about... um, Understanding uh, how God speaks to us. He speaks oftentimes through the circumstances of your life. Here's the fifth one that God speaks through wise counsel plus common sense. Good old common sense. Now, when we first started the church, we were broke, okay? We were broke. Patty and I got married. And uh, we didn't know it took money to be married. We thought you just needed to be in love. So we were in love, so we got married. And then when we came to the point when we were 26, decided we're going to start a church, we didn't realize it takes money to do ministry. And so we started the church and we were broke. And so the first day we had 24 people in a living room. We passed the plate. We collected $369. That's how this church got started. And everything else grew out of that first gift of $369. Um, We didn't have government funding. We didn't have denominational support or so forth in those days. And so, and even today we don't. And so, um, but that's how it all started. So there were some financial challenges. And so we had a worship pastor named Rod Stansky. I went to school with Rod. And I think he's pastoring a Methodist church now in Alabama. And uh, Rod and I were thinking, okay, we need to make some money. How can we make some money? He said, we decided that we could sell used cars. You know, you get enough used cars. There's some money to be made if you get it right. And so we, we put this thing together. Okay, let's, let's do that. And we talked to some folks. And, and uh, uh, we set a date that we would go to an auto auction over in Darlington. And, and we would just dive into the used car business. Uh, again, we were Bible college majors have no clue about cars, we don't know how to work on them, we don't, but we heard you can make some money with them, okay, and so we go to this church conference in Athens, and David Cooper is preaching, and he's preaching away, and then he turns, and he says, God didn't call you to sell used cars, God called you to preach, and God called you to pray, and so we kind of looked at each other, but we didn't say anything, on the ride home, this is, this is the truth, we said, do you think he was speaking to us? Nah. Nah. He wasn't talking to us. Not at all. And so we ignored that. We uh, went over to Darlington. We first of all convinced a banker that broke people can borrow uh, money. And so we, they gave us money. We went over there and, and we thought, you know what? Let's don't start off with something safe like a, a Toyota uh, Camry or something like that. Let's let's get a red Mercedes, okay? Because you know some of those high line cars, you know, higher the risk, higher the reward. So we just dove in. Uh, a red Mercedes came through, and we bought that thing, and we uh, drove it home, and we didn't realize that it had a cracked block that had epoxy keeping it together. I am telling you, every week that car had an issue. Every week. And by the time, I mean, uh, we spent like $4,000 on just repairs, trying to get it ready to sell. And I'm telling you, the profits were flying out the window. I'll never forget, after six months, we finally convinced them. Uh, a friend of ours who had an auto auction in Atlanta to take it and get it off of our hands. But what am I saying? God often speaks through wise counsel and good common sense. We ignored both. Both. Okay, so be careful of that. Use good, good common sense. I think that's what your mama said, right? You need to use the sense, or you don't have the sense, God gave a billy goat. I think that's what she really said to me, but anyway, something like that. Second question is, concerning God's will, how do you find God's will for your future? Over and over in these, you'll see that question. How do I know God's will for my future? Well, first of all, I want you to look in the mirror at yourself, okay? I want you to look at yourself. I want you to look at um, uh, where you've been. Uh, First of all, I want you to look at your gifts, your spiritual gifts. God created you, and when you uh, became a part of his family, he gave you a spiritual gift. So what are your spiritual gifts? Those gifts that God has given you. Those gifts that, um, that you're developing now. Do you even know that you have spiritual gifts? You know, do you even know that? Do you have uh, uh, the ability to teach or or ability uh, to administer or to lead or so forth? Just look at those spiritual gifts. Secondly, I want you to look at your heart. What are those things that your heart just swells when, you, when you're involved in this situation, when you work here? It's like your heart is just expanded. It is just like your heart is full. What are those things that just make your heart full? We're talking about how do you know God's will for your future, okay? How do you know God's will for your future? See, God created you, and I believe he has a future planned for you, a future to give you peace and a hope, okay? So, What is that makes your heart swell? The third thing is, what kind of abilities do you have? What are you good at? Okay, look at your life. And and when people talk to you and say, man, you're really good at that. Or or when you work with your hands, it's amazing. How did you figure out that problem? I mean, you can put numbers together and make numbers say things that I would never imagine that. Or or you had this, you know, all, you know, and people will tell you that. People say, you know, you're really good at it. I want you to notice um, those things that people notice in you. I'll tell you, uh, when I was in high school, I worked at Kmart. Now, most of you don't know what Kmart is because Walmart came around and put them out of business. But back in the day, um, Kmarts uh, were king. And I went to work at Kmart in Greenwood right up the road here. And uh, Kmart has this little marketing tool called the Blue Light Special. Anybody know about a Blue Light Special? I've got a, f- a few of you. Okay, so the Blue Light is like a uh, blue light that's on a patrol car, okay? And it's on this big pole, and it's got this base, and they got wheels on it, and they wheel this Blue Light around the store. They plug it up and flip it on, and make, they make an announcement. We're talking about abilities. Well, I had the ability to talk, and they recognized I had the ability to talk. So I became uh, the voice behind the blue light special. Now, Kmart shoppers, that blue light is now flashing in our garden department where you can get 5, 10, 10 fertilizer for the low price of $2.99. So hurry on back to the garden shop, and as always, we want to thank you for shopping here at Kmart. And so I became that voice behind the blue light special. And so we're talking about abilities. You know, Marty, you can talk. Why don't you do this? And so but I'm going all over, you know, doing that. What do you do that people says, you know what? They used to, they didn't know I was calling the ministry. They'd think, man, you ought to be on radio. That's what I'd hear all the time. You ought to be on the radio. Um, but. God knew that I had this ability to talk in front of people and it came out even as an early age, as a teenager working at Kmart. What are some of those things that you have the ability to do and that when you do those things, people take note? We're talking about a successful future for you. We're talking about how do you know God's will for your future? God gave you those abilities. Okay? I want you to understand that. I want you to put yourself in that. God gave you those abilities, and you please him when you use those abilities in a way uh, that can honor his name. And so think about that. Next, uh, look at your personality. Uh, What kind of personality do do you have? Do you like big crowds, or do you like smaller teams? Figure out your personality. Here uh, on staff, we have gone through the Enneagram. Many of you have done that. It's an Enneagram test, and and they rate personalities from one to nine, and now when we uh, are working through it, a team or so, say, oh, he's a seven, or, or oh, yeah, he's a three. And, and so we, we look at personalities like that. Have you ever done anything like that? Do you know what kind of personality you have? Because when you start to do something like that and you read the description, you say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I, I can definitely see that. Well, I want you to understand your personality. And this will help you as you move forward. The third, the final thing is look at your experiences. Look where you've come from. Look at those experiences in your past. God never wastes a pain, and never, God never wastes a problem. So look at those pains and those problems, those experiences, that travel, or wherever you've been, wherever you work. look at those experiences and know that God wants to use those experiences for you to figure out His will for your future. And so my, my thing is, this, I want you to consider that now. So many times we talk about the future uh, in five years or in 10 years. Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Yeah, that's nice, but let's talk about, let's create the future today. Let's create the future today. Uh, The way you discover God's will for the future is to do God's will right now. The way you discover God's will for your future is to do God's will right now. Do God's will right now. So what is that? Isn't that complicated? No. Micah 6 and verse 8, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord your God. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord your God. And so just, it's not rocket science, but yet there's going to be some days that you've got to take some risk and you've got to step out in faith to kind of figure that future out. I do believe, I talk about creating the future, I believe you create the future in prayer. That you pray things into existence. But I love the thought that uh, walk and pray. I want you to be moving. I don't want you to be sitting on the sidelines. I want you to be moving. I would rather you make some blunders along the way or mistakes along the way and fail a few times. I'm okay with that. Just get up and start moving. I'm telling you, I am who I am uh, not because of the successes of my life, but oftentimes because of the failures of my life and saying, well, I don't want to do that again. That sure didn't work, did it? And so I learned that I'm not to sell cars, use cars. Some of you are great at it, but that's not me. Uh, but um, you got the picture. So last week was Easter, and I don't know if it was just a religious uh, holiday or so forth, but y'all were thinking church. I mean, so many of you asked this question, what's up with the denominations? I mean, it was almost like so many that it was kind of like weird, okay? And so you're, you're really interested in that. So I thought, okay, let's just talk about it. What's up with the denominations? Well, let's go one step further, and uh, let's talk about Catholics and Protestants. You know, what's the difference between Catholics and Protestants? How many of you were raised in the Catholic uh, church? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Creek's full of them. Um, <laughs> So let's just talk about that. You could probably tell uh, this a little bit better than I can, but I'm going to dive in. The major difference is the place given to the Bible. And the Roman Catholics believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Check. We do too. But they also believe in the tradition of the church through history brought about by church councils, and, um, and this is given weight in matters of faith and doctrine. Now, Protestants would say that the sole rule of faith and practice should be uh, the Bible, and therefore they don't ex- uh, accept all the Catholic practices. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's just name one. What, is, what do you think? Well, back in 1595, Martin Luther had a big issue with uh, the Catholics baptizing babies. Okay? So, practically speaking, Catholics baptize babies. So, if you raised your hand, you were baptized as a baby. And Protestants dedicate babies. That's a big difference. (laughs) Not really. Um, But let's talk about that. If you want to get down to it, here is the difference. Catholics would say they baptize a baby, uh, and then at 12 years old or so forth, that, person, that child would be confirmed as a Catholic, okay? So Protestants said, no, we're not going to make the decision for that baby because baptism is about going public with your faith. When that baby comes to faith, then we'll go, uh, he'll go forth uh, with baptism and go public with his faith. And uh, we start baptizing children around 10, not 12. So, so all of a sudden you start to see that's kind of similar, but that's part of this uh, issue. So, um, but here's some other things. Um, Catholics would put the Pope on a higher level. We would look at the Pope as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, as a general overseer of the Church of God, or the bishop of the United Methodists. We believe that he's anointed to serve in leadership of a particular group. That's how we would see that. Catholics would probably see that he is the next level of that. So there's a lot of questions about denominations. I mean, people really want to know what's the difference between Baptists and Methodists and those Here's my point. It takes different kinds of churches to reach different kinds of people. It takes a lot of different kinds of churches to reach a lot of different kinds of people. So when people freak out over denominations, oh, Sunday's the most divided day of the year, that's nonsense, okay? That's nonsense. I feel like that God knew that people are different. They're just different. And it takes a lot of different kinds of churches to reach the people that he created to be different. For instance, you know, there's a a group in the church that are just really intellectual. And they want to come and they want to take notes. And they want to do line upon line and precept upon precept. They want to dot every I and cross every T. And they worship God through the intellect. Okay, that's good. Then there's another group of people that they're all about emotion. Man, they want to come and swing and sway and jump and thump. And if they could swing from the chandeliers, they would. It's all about emotion and to the point where it's the biggest workout of their week. I mean, there's a lot of activity going on. So, where do we fit in that? Well, about 30 years ago uh, or 32 when we planted the church... Uh, we had a little tagline, Church of the Harvest, and, I, and people laughed at me back then. Now, times have changed, but back then, I said, we are going to be a spirit-filled evangelical church. And their laughter and said, yeah, you can either be a spirit-filled church or you can be an evangelical church. You're not going to be both of those. But we just set out that we're going to do that. We're going to merge that. We're going to have an intellectual approach where we're going to teach you the scriptures. And that's why we have scriptures up on the board. And that's why we have fill in the blanks because we want want to engage your mind. But here's something else. We want you to walk in here and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. We want you to walk in this room and say, wow, God was really there today. We want you to feel this. And I do believe that you can be intellectually challenged and you can be emotionally energized through the presence of the Lord. And so that's kind of where we meet together on that. And so let's talk about denominations. Uh, I feel like, uh, let me say this, I love all the denominations. All the denominations that are preaching the Word, I can have an appreciation for them. Now, I will uh, say that I feel like that I can speak on this issue Uh, as well as anybody else in this room, and really as well as anybody else in town. And why is that? Well, I have a bachelor's degree from Lee University, which is a Church of God school which is rooted in Pentecostalism, okay? I know about swinging and swaying and jumping and dumping, okay? I I get it. I get it. I also have a master's degree from Samford University, and it's a Southern Baptist school. And it's at Samford. I learned there are three B's to a Baptist church. Do you know the three B's of a Baptist church? Buildings, bucks, and baptisms. And, and, and they've done well. Um, well, I have a doctorate um, from Erskine Theological Seminary, which is an associate Reformed Presbyterian seminary. And so uh, if, if you hear all that and say, well, that explains why you're so screwed up. And, and <laughs> that could be. But let me say... As a result of that, I think that's why God has allowed me to be here because there's such diversity within this uh, family. But very practically, we need the Baptists. We need the Baptists because they remind us the importance of small groups and evangelism. And they have done well. I'm telling you, you know... uh, a Baptist church, they'll set up a Sunday school class anywhere. You go to the mall, if you slow down long enough, you, you just join the Baptist Sunday school class. And, and, and they're great about that. Um, and that's just not a weird thing. That's actually, when we were at Sanford, they did that. They set up kiosks in at, uh, at, at malls and signed people up for Sunday school, and that's how they did it. It worked. Okay. And so I appreciate small groups, and I appreciate some evangelism. uh, We need the Presbyterian church because they remind us the importance of God's sovereignty and how God is working behind the scenes so that his will can be done in our lives. I get that. Check. Come on, God. Move. Open those doors I'm supposed to walk through. Close the doors I'm not. Uh, We need the Methodists because we need to be reminded that there's structure and order. And I can appreciate the Methodist Church. In fact, several years ago, I, I went on uh, a mission trip with uh, Wesley United Methodist and had a blast in their moments on that mission trip where they were more Pentecostal than we were. And so I, I appreciate that in structure and order. We need Pentecostals because we need to be reminded that God is in the miracle working business and we need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Catholics. You know, the Catholics of the year has taught us the importance of tradition, and they have taught us the importance of property. So many of the artifacts and the, um, the places that we visit, in uh, you'll visit if you go to Israel you'll see there's a Catholic church there because they went in and bought that land so that they could tell the story of uh, the feeding of the 5,000 or they could tell the story of Magdala or they could tell the story of uh, Jesus' resurrection or the Garden of Gethsemane. You see, those places, they have churches there because the Catholic church went and said, we want to preserve this for the generations. I appreciate that. So, I love all the denominations that preach the word. Now, just very practically, in Georgia... Um, the top five denominations, Southern Baptist is number one, a Methodist number two, Catholics are number three, non-denominational are number four, that's not a denomination, but yet in this study they are, uh, and the Church of God is number five, fifth largest in the state of all the, the scores of the denominations that we have. You are Church of God. And um, so now, let's bring it a little closer to home. I got all this stats. I ran across this new web, this website that's new to me. It's called thearda.com. Uh, the, and it's the, I think it's the American Religious Data Association. Okay. So I went there and so you can drill down to very counties. So I went over to Aiken County. Do you know that 60% of the people in Aiken County go to church? Amen. Um, and some of those people from Aiken County come to church in Georgia. But anyway, they don't, uh, when you go to Richmond County, 57.5% of the people in Richmond County go to church. Columbia County, 38% of the people in Columbia County go to church. I was shocked. I was shocked. I mean, we've been, we're a Columbia County church now we've, for decades And uh, that means 62% of the people in Columbia County do not go to church. I was shocked. And I'll tell you what it spoke to me. It spoke to me that we need to be very focused about the reason that we're here. We're here to create a safe place for people who are far from God can come and experience the life-giving message and the grace of Jesus Christ. We are here saying boldly, lost people matter to God, and if they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. So that means that it's time not to rest on our laurels, not to rest on our 30-plus-year history, but it is time to roll up our sleeves and be about the Father's work and compel people to come to the Lord. And so, uh, that was startling for me, and I'm going to be diving into that because I'm interested in that kind of stuff. But what, in a nutshell, what am I saying? It takes a lot of different churches to reach a lot of different people. So, let's move on. Let's talk about cultural tolerance. One person asked this question, why do some Christians condemn others when Jesus taught tolerance, love, and inclusion? Now, Let's talk about tolerance. That is a buzzword in the culture, and typically we think about um, what the culture calls tolerance. Everybody has a right to his own opinion. You know, I, I feel that too. Yeah, think what you want. Uh, what people do in private is their own business. That's fine. What's, what you do, I'm not going to knock on your door and say, what's going on back there? No, I'm just not, I'm not going there. Uh, and they say, you know, different religions are different ways to God. Now, I do have to drive a stake in the ground. I don't believe that. Our culture wants you to believe that all opinions are valid and approve of all lifestyles and treat all behaviors as acceptable. And they, uh, the culture puts pressure on all of us to embrace that. As a Christ follower, there will be times that we will go against the grain. That we have to be light in darkness. And so it is hard to do that sometimes because you work with people that challenge you in this area. And so it is hard to do that. But let's clarify some things about the concept. The question was about tolerance. Uh, I want to define tolerance. Tolerance in the culture uh, says that there are no rules... Okay, you've heard of this, so don't judge me, right? No rules, don't judge others' choices. Yeah, you're not the boss of me, you're not God, um, don't judge me. Okay, and you know, there's a, a element of truth to that. The Bible says, judge not lest you be judged. And so we've allowed the culture to take that scripture out of context and, and drive home a message um, that is not... Uh, true. Okay. Biblical tolerance says that I will share God's truth with others in gentleness and respect. That we're going to share God's truth, but we're going to communicate it in a way that has gentleness and respect that we're going to love people enough and we're going to speak to them in a way that they can understand it and a way that they can receive it. We say it and we've said it for years. I need you to be nice to people because I believe that being nice and respectful to people will open the doors for spiritual conversations. Next verse, Ephesians 4 says, be completely humble and gentle and be patient, bearing with one another in love. Give them space, help them process this. I really think tolerance uh, from our point of view begins with seeing other people, um, focus on other people than just yourself. If you're always focused on yourself, You're not going to impact the world. But if you look at others and try to help other people, then you'll start to see your influence grow. And so we've got to see the people as Jesus saw them. Jesus cried over Jerusalem and said, These people are lost. I don't know when we've cried over lost people. Lost people ought to matter to us because they matter to God. And they deserve our compassion. Here's what I want you to hear. You have never looked into the eyes of someone that does not matter to God. Hear that. You've never looked into the eyes of another person, that someone who matters, uh, does not matter to God. In fact, when you look in the mirror tomorrow morning, you're looking into the eyes of somebody that matters to God. So... I thought it'd be good to break up this with some, a lightning round, okay? Lightning round of questions. Just We'll just dive in, okay? Uh, somebody asked, can spells or hexes be placed on family generations? Good one. And I said, yes. The Bible talks about that the sins of the parents can be passed down to the third and fourth generation, okay? Now, here's what you need to understand. When Jesus Christ went to the cross and he rose from the grave... Uh, he defeated Satan. So in the name of Jesus, we can break every hex or every curse because Satan has no authority over you. You can be free in Jesus' name. Okay? Amen on that? Um, What's the easiest way to read the Bible? Well, Uh, I've done various things. I like to, these days I like reading this book. Okay. But I went through a season where, uh, I was always reading my iPad. I had to read the Bible on the iPad and, and I just had to come clean with that. The reason being I could enlarge the font, um, and still not have reading glasses. And so then I said, okay. I'm 55, I can get reading glasses, and now I'm back to reading the book, okay? But also, I went to a season where I just like to hear the Word. Faith comes by hearing, hear by the Word. So download the Version app, and you can uh, click on a, a tab, and they will read the Bible to you. And so I just wanted to hear it. And so I just encourage you to do that, but find a Bible that you understand, um, I read the NIV because I feel like it probably has the greatest cross-section, and I speak to a lot of different people, but uh, maybe you want to look at the NLT, the New Living Translation. It's a a good uh, version, too. Okay, is it okay to write um, or take notes in my Bible, or is that disrespectful? I thought that was an interesting question. Now, most of you don't understand probably why that question is important, but here's a little snapshot into the Old South. If you've been to your grandmother's house, maybe your great-grandmother's house because a lot of you are young, uh, you probably walk in that house and maybe on the coffee table or somewhere, there's this huge Bible. I mean, it's a, it's a coffee table Bible. And you say, "What's it? why is it that I go every house and see one of those big Bibles? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like, okay, you know what I'm, Okay, here's why. Because back in the 60s and early 70s, Uh, these Bible companies would go to college campuses and they would convince college students, hey, you want to make money in the summer? Come sell Bibles door to door. And so they canvassed the South, knocked on doors, and they sold people Bibles. And so I happened to have one of those, but my daddy said that Bible is a special book You've got to respect that Bible. You've got to treat it right. And so, my goodness, you don't touch it. You don't read it. You don't do anything but put a rose in it from your granddaddy's funeral or something like that or somebody's wedding. And then you you put it with some wax paper and then you leave it there. That's what a Bible does, okay? But it becomes like this good luck charm. So, anyway, so respect the Bible probably comes from that. So, the question that you ask, is it okay to write or take notes in the Bible, I say yes. I'd say get a pen. I'd say get a highlighter. I would say fill your Bible up with notes and then put it on the shelf by another one and start all over, okay? Write all over it, okay? What does the Bible say about complaining? Well, um, this is be practical. It says be respectful. It says be kind and so forth. But how about this? Look at the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel started grumbling and complaining, and what happened? They died in the wilderness and they didn't make it to the promised land. And so, be careful if you complain so much, you may not make it to the promised land. And I'm not talking about South Carolina. So, most of you not from here, there's a town right up the road called Promised Land, South Carolina. And so, you gotta stay with me, okay? How to step into your dream or calling when you feel called in the ministry? I love this question. Here's what, get in a small group. Um, maybe lead a small group. That's the good thing. Or maybe, why don't you uh, test the waters out uh, with some of the spiritual gifts and uh, maybe work in children's ministry, maybe work in our youth ministry, something like that, okay? Um, how about this? How do I honor my mother while she dishonors my wife? Ooh, that's a hot one. How do you honor your mama when she dishonors your wife? Okay. So here's, it's very clear, very easy answer here for me. It's easy for me. It's hard for you. Okay. But let me tell you, Matthew 19 and 5 says that you leave your mother and father and you cleave unto your wife. You go after that wife. Okay. Now here's the deal. When we talk about honor your mother and father, you've got to understand it changes as the seasons of life change. To honor your mother and father when you're a child means that you obey them, okay? To honor your mother and father as a teenager, it means you respect them. As you move older in life, to honor your parents means that you support them but you are separate from them. And so I would just encourage you to to go after uh, that spouse, go after that wife, okay? Okay, what's the importance of coming to church uh, instead of studying at home? And I think I had another one. Um, Is it possible to come to church uh, to love Christ without attending church? Okay, Uh, this is a cultural thing. Again, um, I think our uh, connectedness, where you can just download sermons, you can watch this uh, online at StevensCreekChurch com. You can download the podcast, and, and so we start. We get our information different, and so if you approach church that way, then um, download us, watch us every week. We have people that watch us from all over the world. But let's I take you to the next step. We talked about an intellectual approach. And then we talked about an emotional approach. I want you to be in church because I want you to sense the presence of the Lord. I want you to sense his anointing. I want you to be with a a group of family members. I want you to look over here and see somebody that you know. I think there's something powerful. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there right in the midst of it. And so just consider that as you are making those decisions. But the Bible also says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. He said, make it a point uh, to come to church. Uh, Paul said it this way, on the first day of the week, come, okay? And so why does this church not have a displayed cross? And I'm going to say, okay, come on. And this is not the only person that asks this question. And I want to say to you, slow down, okay? Slow down. As you walk through the front door, slow down, look up. I'm telling you, there's a, at least a 12 foot metal cross. The front door, the first thing you see when you walk in this building, I'm telling you, we had to have a lift to come and move that cross to the top. It came from Kentucky. I ordered the cross offline. It showed up here on a truck. We got a lift. We put, I mean, it has been here for years. Okay? Fear, build a wall, stop the invasion, lock her up. How can you support all that if you dare? Please explain. I can't explain all that. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, let me say this. Uh, we pray for those that are in authority over us, we respect God's, uh, the people that God's put in order. And the interesting thing about that, um, uh, you know, if you ever read the, build, the book, The Pendulum, you know, things swing. You know, eight years of one party in, in line and then swings back. You know, so, yeah, chill, chill, chill. You're watching probably too much cable TV. <laughs> That's the truth. That's uh, I said some things are going to be from the Bible and some is personal opinion. That's that personal opinion thing that jumped in. <laughs> jumped right in. Didn't even know. Okay, what about dating? What about dating? What does the Bible say about dating? Well, the Bible really doesn't talk about dating because in that culture, um, marriages were... Uh, prearranged um, among families, so it really doesn't talk about that. Um, you know, here's a good thought: don't pull up, don't pull down, don't unbutton, and don't unzip. You can get in a lot of trouble if you do that. But that's that'll keep you safe. You may say it a little slower. Don't unbutton. Don't unzip. Don't pull up, or don't pull down. Okay. That was free. <laughs> okay, Jesus coming back in Jerusalem or somewhere. I think Jesus is going to come back under air, um, and he'll call it, rapture the church up. Uh, eventually, there will be a new heaven and new Jerusalem. And there are so many questions about the afterlife. I'm really considering doing just a whole day on that, the Sunday after uh, Mother's Day. A lot of questions about heaven, hell, um, the rapture, all that kind of stuff. People are just interested in that. So you saw various groups of questions, uh, you know, God's will, yes, uh, uh, a lot of parenting and family things, yes. And then, you know, there's the denomination thing, which was, uh, was interesting. And then the end times. Okay, let's, let's move on. Okay, I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Uh, can I stay the night with my boyfriend if we don't have sex? Okay, next question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> let's talk about that. I think there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, first of all, what planet are you living on? I mean, really. I have probably met your boyfriend. He's got a, a plan in his mind, okay? And so, um, and he's not looking for an all-night prayer meeting. Okay, so, this past week I read a story that made me smile or it may make you groan. But uh, this mom went to see her son at college, and when she got to his apartment, she found out she didn't know this that his roommate was female, and it startled her that she said, uh, "You know that his roommate was female." And he said, "Mom, just we're just good friends. She's in this room." and I'm in this room, we're just good friends, and everything's okay. They had a nice meal together, and then after that, she went home. And the next week, he wrote her an email and said, Mom said, I don't want to accuse you of stealing, but ever since that you've been here, we haven't been able to find our soup ladle. And she says, well, I don't want to accuse you of sleeping with your girlfriend, but if you look in her bed, you'll find a soup ladle. There's some wisdom there somewhere. <laughs> okay, let's talk about this. A lot, of, uh, a lot of folks like to play house. A lot of, a lot of creakers like to play house, okay? you like to play house, and, um, and that's, it's dangerous. But I want to talk to you about playing house. There's a lot of reasons people live together and not be married. A lot of reasons. And so um, here's what I want you to th- consider. I don't want one of those reasons that you're living with somebody that you're not married to to be money. In the fact that we can't get married because we don't have enough money for a wedding. I've heard that many, many times. I don't want that to be true. So here's what I want to do. If you will get married, this church will pay for your wedding. Okay, I want you to listen to this. We will provide uh, $25. Uh, invitations for each you and your, your boyfriend or you and your girlfriend we will provide the auditorium we'll provide the reception we will provide the music the speaking it will be no cost to you no cost to you but we've got to do it all on one day and that we hadn't figured out that day, but we're going to do it sooner. And, you know, uh, our first target was June 2nd. I had this thought on the way to church today. I had to run it across a couple of elders first. But um, <laughs> then, <laughs> and so that is true. Because here's what, I don't want people to say, well, I can't get married because I don't have that money. What if we eliminate the money issue? And what if we say, you know, part of our thing is we want to help people take the next step in their life. What if we had the resources to do that? Why not do that? And so here's what I want you to do. Just, I want you to do, you can do two things. You can send an email to info at stephenscreekchurch.com or you can go to the sign-up page on the website and sign up to get married. And, um, and we will meet with you and take care of that because we believe um, that being married is a good thing. And uh, I'm telling you, God blesses that. And I want God that kind of blessing on your life. And so, again, I said there's a lot of different reasons people don't do that, uh, don't get married. I don't want that reason to be we don't have enough money for a wedding. Okay? Amen? Amen. You in favor of that? Good. Okay. Last question about so we talking about marriage. You know, what's up with the gay marriage? What about gay marriage? Uh, the Bible teaches that marriage is between a man and a woman, and that God created us male and female. And it clearly says that we're to leave our mother and father and cleave unto our spouse. The United States government says that marriage is between two people, okay? So there's a small percentage of Americans who are gay. How do I know that? Ask Siri. (laughs) I did. Siri, and she'll tell you that uh, 95.5% of Americans are heterosexual and 4.5% of people are gay, The 4.5% of people that are gay matter to God. I want you to hear that. The 4.5% matter. And many people, whether gay or straight, struggle with sexual sins. And so many times I've seen this. They struggle with those sins because of loneliness. Loneliness. Because we're the most connected generation ever, but yet I believe we're probably one of the loneliest generations ever. And so we run into relationships, gay or straight, we run into those relationships because this loneliness is killing us on the inside. And my heart breaks for that. Now, I want you to understand this. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. Two huge lies. Here's the first one. If you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. If you disagree with somebody's lifestyle, you fear them or you hate them. That's why 19 people ask about this. And one person said, I love Jesus and I love my gay cousin. Another person said, why does God hate gays? I don't think God hates anybody. I think people matter to God and they ought to matter to us. And so this is a culture. This is a lie from the culture. The lie says that we've got to be afraid. What happens if they show up? What happens? You know, And we, we get this fear in us. And then how about this? And we hate them. And then you see these rallies and you see these signs. No. No. Here's another lie. If you love someone, it means you agree with everything they believe or everything they do. If you love me, you'll agree with everything I do. If you love me, you'll agree with my lifestyle. If you love me, you'll agree with my my choices. That is also a lie. That is not true. You can love somebody without agreeing with their lifestyle or their actions, and this may have nothing to do with gay or straight. Okay? So here's the point of the day. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. I want you to be compassionate. And you know, the term is gay, but I see so many folks who struggle with that. They're not gay at all. They're, they're sad. There's something broken. And not just them. There's something broken in our culture because we've misused and we've abused the gift that God has given us, and we've used it inappropriate, and we just have brokenness in there. And I don't, And we said years ago, Stevens Creek Church is going to be a place where the, the lost can be found and the broken can be healed. We want to be a place of healing. So let's read the scriptures. We want to read the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Are, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived about this. Neither will the sexually immoral You know, all that. You know what that means. Are the idolaters, are the adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, next verse, nor thieves. Now, how many of you have stolen those Stevens Creek ink pens? I've seen that. I bet if I went to your house, there's a Stevens Creek ink pen at your house. Thieves. Thieves. We got a bunch of thieves here. I'm just kidding. Here's what I want you to do with those pink pen, ink pens. I want you to take them. I want you to use them at the restaurant this afternoon, and I want you to conveniently leave them at the table. Okay? Because we want that pen to end up as a ministry tool for somebody. You never steal anything from Stevens Creek, you bought it anyway. Really? You tied the dollars, you bought it anyway. Okay, so greedy nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers. Now, we have this list, but to those of us who do not struggle with one, we like to highlight the other. Let's say we don't struggle with with this, and so we want to highlight all those. Let's go to the previous verse. And so, you know, you see all this list here, and um, it says, you know, we're men who have sex with men, and we want to highlight that because... We don't struggle with that. That is not my struggle. And so I'm, uh, I'm going to focus on that. There's a lot of other things that we struggle. And what I'm saying is the struggle is real. And if you're honest with yourself, you struggle with things just like I struggle. And sometimes it's sanctified struggle. thats pride and arrogance and all of that stuff that has a way of shrinking your heart. And so I just want us to have a heart of compassion. Now, let's go to the uh, 11th verse. Um, It says, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What's our response to all this? That Jesus saves sinners like me. I'm the one that was saved. I'm the one that has been washed clean. I'm the one that has failed and failed and failed again, but yet Jesus has justified me. And I'm not here casting stones at anyone because I can look at my own self and I can see things that are less than stellar and things I don't want to talk about. And so my response is this, that Jesus saves sinners like me. And I can just tell you my story. I can tell you how my life has been changed because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can tell you that there's nobody perfect in this room. I can tell you that when you look across this room, there are all of us are struggling with something. And yes, it does make it uncomfortable. And yes, there's an agenda that has been promoted in the culture that makes us uncomfortable. But I don't want to look at the agenda. I want to look at that person. And we may have to deal with that agenda. When the agenda comes and and um, and attacks, you see, I think the bigger agenda is to to bring doubt on the Word of God. And if they can bring doubt on the Word of God, they can bring all of this down because we built on the Word. We're built on the Word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word will ever be. And so that's what we have to stand on. Okay, I have gone over. This is the longest I have ever preached uh, in the 12 p.m. service, but I just felt like... Uh, That you had a lot of questions, and we're going to continue this next week, and if you have some more questions, and specifically, if you have any questions about parenting or family uh, that you'd like to ask Patty, uh, write those down and drop them in the basket, and she's not, she didn't agree to speak on Mother's Day at all, because she just don't do that, but she might. She didn't shut me down when I, I, I asked her last night, so anyway. So just thinking that, I'm not guaranteeing, but if you have some questions like that, please do. I want to ask the ushers that prepare to receive this afternoon's tithes and offerings give you an opportunity to give. You may give in this service, maybe give at the giving kiosk or give online. We want to say thank you again. Thank you so very much. As we pray over the offering, I want to pray over you. We talk about a lot of things. And um, and I so want you to sense God's love and to understand God's plan for your life. And it will always require a change. And so we've got to be willing to take that step and change. It may be changing a career. It may be changing an attitude. It may be changing a practice, whatever that is. But oftentimes God calls us to change. And it is so scary to do that. But if you'll take a step of faith, God will give you the strength to do that. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, this has been uh, an interesting day where questions have been brought. But I just pray, Father, as we close this day out, that you would bring um, healing on our church. That you would help us understand that you have a plan for us. That you would help us to understand that you love us. And God, that you are the God that washes us clean. And so God, forgive us for our sins. And God, we pray this prayer, and maybe you've never prayed this, and you say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person you'd have me to be. And so I pray for families here. I pray for things that we laughed about. And the reason we laughed about them because we're so nervous about them. I just pray, God, that you'd give us the strength and uh, to handle those things that come our way and let us live our lives in a way that would honor you and to help us understand that we're part of your family. And when we are part of your family, we are uh, covered in your love and your protection. So I speak protection over you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. We've got one more song. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church,